Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could never edit that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. On this podcast, I chat to authors about their work, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. Today, I have the privilege of speaking to Maxine Beneva-Clark, a widely published writer of fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Her short fiction collection, Foreign Soil, won the ABIA for Literary Fiction Book of the Year in 2015. She has been named as one of the Sydney Morning Herald's Best Young Novelists for 2015 and The Hate Race, a memoir, won the New South Wales Premier's Literary Multicultural New South Wales Award in 2017. Today we're going to chat about the very important picture book, When We Say Black Lives Matter. Maxine, that bio isn't even half of what you've achieved. (laughs) Well done and thank you so much for joining me on the podcast tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Now, I loved this picture book and I think it's so important and I think it can be read for everyone, young children, adults, and I I said off air that I I, um, read it to my six-year-old today and we had a lot of discussion and a lot of questions, which I think is really important, particularly at a young age. So before we get on to this very important discussion, um, can you give us an elevator pitch as to what this picture book is about? The picture book really is about what the words Black Lives Matter mean, you know, why people say it. And really, I guess the text alludes to historical wrongs against Black people and the fact that when we say Black Lives Matter, it's this kind of invoking of history and of, um, you know, not only Black sorrow and Black empowerment, but Black joy and Black love. And I suppose I intended it really as... um, you know, just a story for kids under 12 to be able to create that space to talk about what do the words Black Lives Matter mean? When we see a mass of people walking down the street, you know, calling these words, what are they actually saying? 
And I think it's really difficult to have those conversations with kids outside of that news cycle. Um, you know, some parents go to protest with their kids, but there are still a lot of kids who will just see a crowd, you know, chanting on television or on the news or in passing and won't have really thought about what those words mean. And so the idea was, yeah, to create a book that made space to have those discussions. And so important too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's difficult to, that explanation of, well, why is it Black Lives Matter? And I think kids are smarter than we give them credit for. You know, once you say to a kid, historically things have happened in history that mean that, you know, Black people might not have the advantages you have a four or five-year-old can actually understand that, you know, if you give them examples. And But I also wanted it to be, you know, picture books for me are these beautiful objects of art. And, you know, when you're a little kid, you don't go to art galleries. You don't, you know, you don't often just sit and look at, at something that's that's a complete work of art. And so I also had in my mind that, you know, I, I want it to be beautiful. You know, I want it to be really colourful and I want kids to feel like they want to go inside the picture book and touch it and enter the scenes and things like that. And so it was the combination of, I suppose, wanting to get that message across and wanting to do what a good picture book hopefully does. Mm, it absolutely did. And the images are absolutely beautiful. And I was so impressed that you not only wrote it, but you illustrated it too. And the, the images are gorgeous. And I read it to my six-year-old today and we had discussions. And then um, a few hours later, we'd have another discussion because I think it was, you know, settling in her brain and she's only six, but, you know, she could read it from her you know, her perspective and her understanding and her experiences. And I think it really resonated with her. But I wanted to ask you as an illustrator and a writer, and the images are absolutely beautiful, what came first for you when you were in the midst of writing it? Was it the images or was it the words? The words definitely came first. I initially wrote it as a poem. You know, I thought, was thinking about all of those poems that I, you know, used to recite on assembly when you were in primary school and what if I could write a poem that would articulate this for kids? And then once the poem was written, it was kind of, of course, I need to turn this into a children's book because that's the place where kids' minds are open and where they're kind of learning different things and it's easy to get it out to people that way. I'd only illustrated one prior book. Um, it's a picture book called Fashionista. And the two picture books I'd done before Fashionista, I had other people illustrating them. So this was my second book of illustrations. And, um, yeah, I did have the question of, you know, I suppose am I going to be able to do the words justice given that I'm an emerging illustrator? I still feel I still have imposter syndrome, I think, mm -hmm. when we're talking about illustration. Um, but it was in that first, uh, I live in Melbourne, and so it was in our first kind of three-month COVID-19 lockdown. And I was watching Black Lives Matter protests unfold, you know, across the world while I was creating the book. And so it was this kind of weird and serendipitous thing where I was almost taking scenes from what I was seeing and trying to translate them into how could I make this kind of, you know, less scary in picture book form. And trying to make sense of it. And for our listeners, we're recording this on the 7th of January. And if anyone's watched the news on this day, it's been a really significant day of, I think, confusion and fear and all these different emotions about looking at what's happening in the world, particularly in the United States of America. And then I thought you know, how important it is to have this discussion today because there's just still 
so much we can do better in the world. Yeah, it's and it is that sense of, you know, I know my daughter said to me today, I don't understand why all those people are going to the Capitol and why, you know, the president won't just leave when he's supposed to. And, and how do you articulate that to a nine or 10 year old? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there are so many concepts that I think not only we as adults are dealing with, but kids. And, you know, I know from being a kid, you know, sometimes you'd ask questions about things and be like, oh, that's adult. You don't need to know about that. That's adult business. Um, but of course, there are kids, you know, black kids, kids of colour that actually are quite well versed in what Black Lives Matter means. And, you know, it's important for their lives as well. Absolutely. And as a mother of two small children, I have talked to my children right or wrong about all of these issues in a way that they can understand from marriage equality to, you know, why Black Lives Matter to all of these things. Because, you know, I'm hoping that they're going to be the next generation who can help make change and can help shift some of this, you know, thinking that we're still seeing. But what I really did love about this picture book so much was that it can be read from a six-year-old perspective, but it can also be read as an adult. And I saw things in it that I thought were really powerful because a six-year-old might miss it. I mean, that there's a chalk outline in one of them and also a sign at the end that says, you know, I can't breathe. And I thought this is really important because it can be read in so many different ways, in so many different levels, from so many different perspectives. And as a high school English teacher, I was for 17 years, I often took picture books into the classroom in year 12 because I thought it was so important to unpack, you know, the complexity of them. And that's what I saw in your book. And I'm really interested about the development of the book and not shying away from these serious issues and how you balance that as an author of a, of a picture book. I love picture books as an adult. I think I, you know, you obviously rediscover them as an adult when you have kids and, you know, my oldest child just turned 15. So that was a long time ago. (laughs) I started reading picture books again when my daughter's 10, but she's still out of that picture book phase. And I still buy them, you know, not just for work, but because, oh, there are so many. I think the picture book world has in in ways been slower to change than the rest of the literary world in terms of experimentation and in terms of, creating books that people from all ages can, um, you know, can enjoy. You know, it's so far away from Spot the Dog at the moment. <laughs> um, and, yeah, the, the picture books I love are, um, you know, books uh, books like uh, Julian, is, is it Julian is a Mermaid by Jessica Love, um, you know, which is about a little boy who or a little child who, wants to see these mermaids going past uh, on the train and then goes home to his abuela and she goes and has a shower and she comes out and he's kind of got these pearls on and has this, you know, kind of mermaid's tail on. Um, and, you know, this idea of, I suppose, you know, gender diversity or non-binariness and just the way that book tells the story and the terror on the child's face when, you know, the grandmother comes out of the bedroom and, and looks at him, it's almost like, oh, no, I'm going to get in trouble. And then she takes him to this parade of the mermaids down, you know, at the beach. And it, it's such a simple story. You know, a four-year-old wouldn't necessarily say this is about acceptance and it's about diversity and it's about family support and, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think... Um, the, the picture books that I gravitate towards 
there's an adult, there's almost an adult version over over the top of the child's version. Mm. Um, And so that's what I tried to do was to really um, think about, okay, I want to allude to death or allude to the loss of life because essentially those global protests, even though the book had been germinating for a while, were what precipitated me to say now time to make this so how do I allude to death without you know obviously it's a kid's book you can't show death and you also can't include it in a picture book in a way that's going to traumatize a child who may not be ready to you know to read about those things and so that's where the idea I think on the page you're talking about there's kind of a chalk outline that almost looks like someone running away and then there's a mother and a child kind of just bending down in sorrow towards this police tape and so that idea of creating an option you know parents mm. can read that page and move to the next page or they can actually say you know what do you think that that line is there that tape is there and what do you think you know if the child is a bit older or if the child has seen these kinds of things they might bring it up and so I suppose there was a lot of thought about you know, how will this be read? Is this okay for a two-year-old as well as a 12-year-old? But also it needs to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of incredible books around that are about Black children having self-worth, but I wanted this to specifically be about Black Lives Matter and why people protest and why that phrase is important and what it matters in the context, uh, why it matters in the context of the world. So, yeah. A bit tricky, I suppose, to come up with that right mix. (laughs) Yeah, tricky, but just so important. And, you know, like you said earlier, you can't underestimate what children know or need to know about the world. And I often think, you know, watching my six and eight-year-old, they sort of know, inherently know what to process, you know, and so the chalk line was missed completely. And so we just turned the page and went on. But mm. she wanted to know what the sign said, you know, and it said, I can't breathe. And so <laughs> I just made a very sanitized version for the six year old yeah. of what was going on. But I think it's a yeah. picture book that we'll pick up again, you know, in five yeah. years or something and have yeah. another really honest discussion that's, you know, a little bit closer to that age appropriateness. But I think they do process things in their own way. And I think you're absolutely right. If, if we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter and we're going to have these really important discussions with our kids there has to be that honesty in it and these awful things have happened and that's exactly why you had to write the book you know yeah and it, yeah it's funny I never I never thought I would anyone would publish a book called when we say Black Lives Matter that was a picture book that you know had people walking down the street holding placards or had you know these kinds of um, images in them and I think yeah, it was almost I pitched the idea and it was almost shock. <laughs> my publishers read the poem and said, yes, yeah, let's let's do it and let's put let's try and put it out really quickly and you know it, it's really needed now. And um it was kind of almost well, what now I actually have you know <laughs> I have to do this or get to do this. Um, but yeah, I think it picture books are just a really beautiful space to have those conversations because it's that whole beautiful ritual of you know, when the kids are tucked up in bed or they've got their pyjamas on and they're really kind of relaxed and ready to have a chat about their day and so many interesting things come out of their mouths at that time that it just feels like, you know, for me, that is the place to have these conversations. Mm. 
I really thought there was this incredible journey of emotions and it, I love picture books, but it almost surprised me that with so few words, and it shouldn't because I've read lots of poetry that's very powerful, but I just thought it had this beautiful ebb and flow of emotions throughout the book of resilience, of just having had enough of it, of dancing to laughing to music to sobbing. And I just thought it was just such this beautiful emotive journey of, you know, what it is to have experienced life. From your perspective, can you tell us about this ebb and flow of the emotions through through the picture book? Yeah, I was really conscious of, you know, what does black life mean? You know, essentially it means what 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 life means, you know, that you have a whole range of different emotions that are in a sense interrupted by these mm. events, you know, um, historical events or contemporary events and so what I wanted to do I suppose was have scenes of that life you know a mother and father getting up in the middle of the night with their baby you know the pregnant mother at the beginning of the book um you know the dad playing the trumpet while they're talking about you know jazz in their in their kind of um housing flat um the, yeah, the, the footage of them dancing, you know, saying when we say Black Lives Matter, we dance down the street because I think there is a tendency to feel that this is a, that this term, this term Black Lives Matter is a confrontational term, that it's a, um, that it's all about sorrow and loss, you know, and there is a sorrow that there's a need to even say those words, but um, I was very conscious when I was writing the poem of I need to, if it's going to go to a place that's maybe a little dark, I need to pull it out of that place, you know, back to that place of comfort and warmth. And um, and even I suppose in the illustrations, I was very conscious of having the mother, um, you know, showing a pregnancy, having the father holding the child's hand in one shot and the mother carrying the child in the next shot. And that thing of like, uh, parental touch, you know, that any child, that that's your, your comfort zone. Um, and so, yeah, I suppose looking for that rhythm of, you know, yes, this is a serious story, but it's also just about one family. Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of the rhythm and the ebb and flow of the emotions. There, there is joy in lives, you know, and there is music and there is laughter, but there is also, you know, that darkness along with it. So I thought that that ebb and flow was um, just juxtaposed perfectly, really. There's a beautiful quote at the end which sums up, I think, the heart of the book. When we know that Black Lives Matter, then, darling, we know our worth, that we are as precious as every soul whose story has journeyed through the earth. Um, I mean, I think that's the page with the most text on it. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it was kind of, I suppose, a culmination of, of everything that had come before. Um, I think for me, probably there's, there's two more kind of double pages or a double page and, an, and another, uh, like a single page after that, um, that just show the child in the book kind of growing up, you know, from a baby to a toddler to a school kid and then in a graduation gown. And I think those pages for me, you know, I had that question of how do I end this <laughs> book? And just that idea of, that's quintessentially what it's about. It's about black people just being able to live, mm -hmm. being able to grow up and go to school and graduate and do, you know, all the things that everyone else does. Um, and so, yeah, I think for me, that's the kind of, 
um, you know, that when it boils down to it, it's really about being allowed to live mm -hmm. is I think a pretty difficult concept um, to try and conceptualize in images, you know, particularly in a kid's yeah. Um, and I guess that was the way that I kind of thought, okay, this is, you know, any kid reading this can see this kid kind of moving through um, their you know. life. Yeah. Because yeah. it does end very hopeful. But did you always know where it was going to end or how it was going to end or did it surprise you somewhere in the middle of the process? No, I mean, I always knew it would have a positive end because I think black people are positive and I think really... You know, the story of a lot of black communities is one of survival. You know, here in Australia, we have, you know, the, the oldest living culture on earth, um, you know, Indigenous Australians. And when we're talking about African-Americans or Afro-Caribbeans, which is my family background, you know, we're talking about having survived 400 years of slavery, you know, and all of those um, and obviously this is not something that's depicted in the book in, in, you know, in this detail, but, you know, when you think of all those people that had to survive so many things for you to be standing here, um, it's a story of triumph and it's mm -hmm. a story of, you know, I'm, he I'm here. <laughs> How did I get here? I don't know if I would have been able to get my ancestors here. You know? <laughs> um, and I think you know, that for me was the important thing was, yeah, carrying that story of it is difficult. There are, um, you know, tragedies, but there are also triumphs. Yeah. Maxine, I love to ask this question of all my authors who come on as guests. Why do you write? Oh, wow. <sighs> I guess I write to, I'm fascinated by people fascinated with people and with life and to, to have conversations. You know, I feel like it's my way of, you know, I'm not really a particularly social person, <laughs> contrary to popular belief. I think I'm quite a hermit, you know. <laughs> on Twitter, yes. <laughs> we're, everywhere. we're all very social on social media, but that means we're at home, you know, exactly. safe and we can turn it off when we want to. I totally relate. <laughs> Someone talks to me outside of Twitter and I'm like, oh, who's that? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, this, this, um, yeah, this idea of just, you know, books are like magic. The fact that you can write a story and someone in five years' time might read that story, you know, has happened with some of my books and contact you and say, this changed my life. And you think that was something I sat down and wrote five to seven years ago and it's life with me has finished and it's now out there in the world and not everybody who, who picks it up is going to love it or is going to even engage with it or is going to finish it. But it's almost like starting a conversation with a complete stranger um, and how that conversation goes is completely out of your hands. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, that aspect of, you know, I devoured books as a kid and as a teen and that aspect of, and it was strange because I don't think I ever thought until I'd finished high school even about the people that wrote the books I loved. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought about the characters and I'm, oh, looking for Alla Brandy and I'm just like a black version of Joseph, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I kind of, yeah, the, the character stayed with me throughout my life. But I think because to me being a writer was such a distant, amazing, incredible, 
thing. It was like books just appeared in the library and I never thought about who wrote them. And, but, but still now realise that all of those characters were me having conversations with the authors. You know, they created those worlds for their readers for whatever reason, whether it's just to entertain them or to have a discussion with them. And so, yeah, the idea to be doing that now for other kids or other adults um, just feels incredible. And you're right, books are magic. And I love that, you know, the ownership then goes to the reader and then you read them to your children. And, you know, they really do. I say this all the time and, you know, books do have the power to change people. And I think they're so important in that way. So thank you so much for this one. I'll be reading it to my kids again and again and um, hoping it you know, encourages more conversations. I'm very honest with my children, but I think um, I'm hoping that's a good thing. (laughs) That's always a good thing. (laughs) A portion of the proceeds from the sale of this book will be donated to the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. Listeners can donate at indigenousliteracyfoundation.org.au. That is something really great, Maxine. Yeah, I mean, they do incredible work, you know, getting books to remote and city Indigenous communities, translating books into language. And, yeah, it just seemed like a really great thing to be able to, a really great organisation to be able to support. To give back to you, yeah, that's wonderful. And, look, thank you so much for your time. I can't thank you enough, Maxine. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you about this book and to read it to my own children. And as soon as I saw this book come out, I thought I really, really want to speak to Maxine about this book. It's so important to have those conversations, particularly when you see you know, the awful things going on around the world. And that's why I think it's a book, not just for kids, but for adults as well. So thank you so much for exploring it with me and for writing it and bringing it into the world. Oh, thank you. I'm glad it found its way into your home. And yeah, hopefully those conversations keep coming.